Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Social Psyched podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Lindenberger. So for this episode, I found a post or a link to an article on Twitter entitled, 12 years ago, I stopped vaccinating my children. Then I changed my mind. The author, Lydia B., was clearly very skeptical about vaccines for a long time. That is, until relatively recently, and she graciously appeared to come on and share her story. Please welcome Lydia G. right yes awesome well Lydia thank you for coming on the podcast it's it's really great to have you you're welcome so I ran into you on Twitter which seems to be more professional than Facebook at least for me um I'm pretty new to the platform though and I came across a story that you wrote on as a guest on a different website that was called 12 years ago stopped vaccinating my children then I changed my mind and I was fascinated by it. So I wanted to ask you, for our listeners, what is it that led you to initially stop wanting to vaccinate? Um, so I had my daughter 12 years ago. Um, and I was pretty conventional when it came to vaccines. Um, I wanted to do everything right. So I got a flu shot while pregnant. I ate healthy. I went to all my prenatal appointments. You know, I did the typical mom thing. And then I had her, and we don't do vaccines at birth here. Well, I think we might now, but when I had her, we didn't. So she, I didn't have to worry about that when she was born. So at her two-month appointment, I was she was due for her shots. And I just remember sitting there, like, being really apprehensive, just knowing that, once you do the injection, you can't undo the injection. And so I, I started feeling a bit, you know, scared. And uh, my husband was with me. He's like, you know, like, why, why would these people want to hurt your baby? <laughs> like, that's, that's not what they do here. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And uh, so I, we went through with the vaccine. She got three shots that day. And I took her home. <laughs> And uh, later that evening, she just started like screaming and screaming and screaming. And then she would just like fall asleep, like randomly, I think just out of sheer exhaustion from sleeping. She would just sleep this deepest sleep. And I just like watched her. And then she would get up and she would like start screaming this like robotic cry that I just never heard the likes of before. And I was really mm -hmm. afraid for her. And so I called the public health nurse. I stayed up all night with her. I called the public health nurse in the morning. And she was just like, that's normal. You're just, you know, you're just overreacting. She's going to be okay. You know, just, you know, you can always call 911 if you are having an emergency. But I just, from what I hear, it's fine. And I was like, okay. And so the next day or so, she cried a lot, like a lot. And and then she would get tired and, and not really want to nurse. And, and it was scary because she's just like pretty much a newborn, right? Mm -hmm. And because I was brushed off, I, 
I started reading online, like, what could this possibly be? Like, why is she screaming so badly? Why is this, you know, why is this happening to my child? And uh, I found a couple of forums that were at the time considered crunchy and natural and whatever. And they had an answer for me. They said, you know, like, this is called cryencephalitis. Your baby's brain is swelling. She's in pain. And this is why it's happening. And it's associated with DTAP. And I just thought, oh, wow, like, I have an answer. Like, it, it makes that it makes sense. And, and then I just kind of fell into it. Like, you start like watching the videos of people saying like, my baby died after vaccines, my baby got cancer or whatever. Like, there's all these like stories, they're all anecdotes. And you kind of feel for these people thinking like, and I'm sure that's what they perceive, just like I perceive, perceived my daughter's reaction to be this cryencephalitis, right? Like, yeah. So, yeah. And, and I just kind of, for lack of a better term, like fell down the rabbit hole and just became completely against vaccines over the next few months. I did take her, I, at first I decided to space them apart. So I took her for her four month shots, but I only did like, uh, I think two vaccines instead and I avoided the DTAP. And then after that, I just stopped vaccinating completely. I, I just read so much that I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I literally can't bring myself to do this to my kid. So I kind of, and you get into these discussions where, <laughs> you know, these, these groups, they just like, sit there and, and discuss like there's no there's nothing right about them like there's it's so one-sided like I'm sure like it's like an echo chamber right yeah it's like a feedback loop that perpetuates back on itself and it just keeps getting to where it's out of control it's interesting that they blame that on uh DTAP it seems like everything is blamed on DTAP like my baby has a broken toe Oh, that's the DTAP broken toe. We all know about that. Like, yeah. it seems like that's very common. I've even been told that I have a DTAP reaction and there's like nothing wrong with me. But um, I wanted to ask you about this nurse and your relationship with her. So uh, Heidi Larson, is a, she researches vaccine hesitancy. And yeah. her big thing is that parents' concerns need empathy and not judgment. When you go to the doctor and you say, I'm worried about vaccines, and they brush you off, that's going to increase skepticism. It leads to you digging your heels in. And it seems like that judgment from this nurse that you were talking to, is that part of what broke your trust? Do you think if she was more empathetic that yeah. you might have gone a different direction? Yeah. Uh, what I would love to have heard was, bring your baby in. Let's have a look at her. Let's see, like... I, I want to help you, uh, you know, feel more comfortable with what happened. Let's figure it out. Like she just basically just made it seem like I was being like this overreactive parent. And maybe I was like, I'm not going to sit there and say my reaction was appropriate. Like you're a new mom and things like that can be scary. And babies do cry a lot. Like I'm not going to sit there and say like, for sure. Like I thought she was having a reaction, but it, she did nothing to help my fears. Like, I just right. felt like just I had no aside. help from her. And, and that definitely myself, didn't help. You know, like, yeah. 
And and it wasn't you, I don't think, because you were a chemist, right? And you saw the quality control that these systems had before them. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, that was my job, like, for about four years before I decided to settle down and uh, be a stay-at-home parent. I uh, worked at a pharmaceutical manufacturing plant, and the amount, like, you cannot do anything in a manufacturing plant without documenting it. Every single material is tested for quality. Every single step is tested to make sure, like, the reaction is proceeding properly with the right um amount like with no like side reactions or whatever like so everything is like heavily heavily monitored right down to like the cleaning of the reaction vessels like you have to like clean them out and then swab and you have to analyze the swab like everything is like highly highly monitored wow he analyzed the swab that you clean with that is that's very regulated (laughs) yeah it's like highly regulated so I, i i don't know where the mistrust came i because i know like how much care goes into these products and the regulations of the manufacturing, you know, like. Right. But the judgment didn't help. Pardon? The judgment from your nurse didn't help. Right. That might've been, that might've, if that was a little different, that could have gone a definitely different direction. I I noticed also before we get into what um, led you out of this rabbit hole, uh, I noticed in your article, you wrote, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. And so I've been thinking about this lately, and I think it's not about intelligence. Like like you said, you were a chemist in quality control. It's not about how smart you are. I've interacted with a lot of people who are against vaccines, and some of them are arguably smarter than I am. And I don't think it's about intelligence. I think it's more about trust. So is that kind of what you mean by if it can yeah. happen to me, it can happen to anyone? Yeah, like I think if you if you witness something or go through something that ruins your trust in the system, um, it can definitely like make you lose trust in everything and make you question everything. And and I think I see this now more than ever. Like everyone's going down these crazy conspiracies. Like they're just taken in, and it's all they can talk about. And I, and I think that most of these people are were at one point fairly reasonable, but I think there's something strangely comforting about conspiracies that, like, it gives you a sense of control and a reason why in a world that's chaotic and unpredictable and you don't know, like, why all these things are going on, right? Kind of, yeah, it's, it's comforting it's, in a way. It's kind of like with vaccines. Let's say, um, let's say my kid has autism. And my doctor tells me, well, we don't know what caused that. Well, I can't put my energy against something, right? Because there's just, it's an unknown. I can't fight nothing. But yeah. if vaccines cause my child's autism, then I have something I can fight against. Then I have something I can put that energy into. And it seems like conspiracy theories are that way, too. If there's a secret cabal, this small group of people running the world, the Illuminati, then oh, we just get rid of the Illuminati and we're all good. But really, yeah. these systems are way more complicated than that. And so are the yeah. solutions. And that's not as easy to put your energy into. And no. I agree. You lose that sense of control. Yeah. And uh, and I think I, growing up, how I grew up too, like my oldest brother and my father were really into conspiracies. My parents are from communist Yugoslavia. They moved here in the 70s. Like... <clears throat> they don't have a whole lot of trust for the government. So like, I think a lot of that has to do with my 
uh, this trust or like it was, I was more susceptible to it, I think, just because yeah. of how I was raised as well. I agree with that uh, for myself, at least personally. Um, my parents were a little out there in terms of their beliefs and I've had some insane beliefs. So, I mean, some of them are interesting, but they're not exactly true. So, so I wanted to ask you, what brought back your trust in vaccines after going so far down this rabbit hole? And um, when was that? How long were you um, a victim of these uh, conspiracies and, and stories? Um, it was a long time. Like I said, 12 years. I have, have three kids now. Um, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And none, neither of them had vaccines at birth. Luckily, I gave them vitamin K. I I, for some reason, I just had a bad feeling about skipping that, so I'm glad I did. But as far as the vaccine nice. went, I was just like, when the nurse came by, I'd be like, don't call us, we'll call you, okay, bye now. Like, <laughs> I didn't even want to hear what they had to say. I'm like, I'm going to do this my own way, like, bye. Right, so, you've got it, you've got it all covered. Yeah, and then um, even like doctor's appointments, a lot of people fear the doctors, but like, I think even in my community, like, I think people just assumed that I would do that. Like, I would vaccinate my children. So my none of my healthcare, like, doctors or anybody ever asked if my kids were vaccinated when I took them in for various, like, things that have, like, you know, kids, they hurt themselves or they get sick, right? Like, so um, I was able to kind of go undetected. And I think just of the few mothers that I got to know in my community, it's kind of like weird how you find each other. Like I found, you kind of get a feeling like of what they stand for. And I, I found quite a few uh, women in my community that also didn't vaccinate. And so we would like form our own little echo chamber about like big bad pharma and, you know, <laughs> like, so it's easy to get like stuck and you kind of seek out people with the, with, it's like that tribalism, right? Like, yeah, you want to be around like-minded people. And and yeah. so, what were these like-minded people like? I, I read some of the uh, corresponding conspiracies that they would sometimes believe. What was uh that little in-group? What was the character of it? Uh, so I had one. One of my friends was like super um, into everything natural. Another one of my friends, she was like pretty conventional. She was just like, she just didn't know what to believe. So she just, I think sometimes inaction is better than when you're afraid, like you feel safer doing nothing. Right, because you, you don't your blame fault. yourself on that if you do yeah. nothing. So there's, there's a couple different backgrounds of, of, of women. Uh, they were both educated. Like, so this isn't like people that are stupid, like they're, they're smart too, and they kind of fell for it as well. Uh, one of my friends right. bought all those like, what, what was those that video series called? I didn't even buy those. What inside vaccines or? Oh, uh, the recent one. Yeah. I saw that. Um, I think it was just called. It's like I forget what it's called. Something vaccines. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> A closer look at vaccines or something. Yeah. And so, of course, you have to buy it. They don't let you have it on, <laughs> on YouTube, well, That's the whole right? reason they, half the reason they make it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that, that's the other thing I started realizing over the years, because I have Crohn's too, and I, I kind of tried to, like, deal with it in other ways, because the medications for it are kind of scary sometimes. 
But the only thing that ever happened was my wallet got lighter. Like everyone seems to have this way. Like if you just do this cleanse or you just eat this food <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, detox, detox, detox. Uh, one I did was so bad. It made me flare so bad. Uh, oh, it made it worse. Yeah. And oh then, of gosh. course, when it gets worse, they're like, oh, that's just die off. <laughs> you that's, know? that's supposed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I honestly, I regret all the money I spent because the only thing that's helped is big pharma. Like, I oh, am living a normal right. life because these medications help me. Like, I can... I'm in remission and have been for the last four years. So is it a bad thing? Is what a bad thing? Is like, is big pharma a bad thing when so many people are helped that would be like really ill? Well, I think you can criticize big pharma as a lobby, as an institution. But I think if if alternative medicine worked, it would just be called evidence-based medicine. because evidence-based practices have evidence that they work. So I think separating big pharma from evidence-based medicine is good because then we know evidence-based medicine is good. But sometimes big pharma, you can rightfully criticize them in certain domains. It's not like they're perfect in everything, but it's not like they're bad in everything either. It's a little bit of both. Did you see homeopathy at all? Oh, I, I could never get behind that. I, it's such a bizarre concept that nothing can do something. <laughs> like the like, origin of the universe or something. Yeah, like there, it leaves an imprint on the water. Well, then what is my tap water doing? Like The vibrational it, imprint of the... You should know the like, what's in there. I don't know. It never really made sense to me. I, I didn't really it, care for it. It doesn't even make sense to the people pitching it, actually. I, I, I met Larry Cook once who, who runs stop mandatory vaccination it's like the largest anti-vaccination oh, yeah. on facebook yeah. and he was explaining to me how homeopathy is an alternative to vaccination but then he said he didn't understand it and i was like so wait 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 you're recommending this as an alternative to vaccines but you literally just said you don't understand it i don't know it just that doesn't make any sense to me yeah no and and i i think if people actually look into it like there's no way. There's no way it works for anything other than placebo effect. So so you saw all these people that had very conspiratorial beliefs alongside their anti-vaccination beliefs, like maybe flat earth, homeopathy, um, all these other things. Tell me about the purity, the, the purity. Yeah. Thing. So you kind of feel like you haven't tainted your child with these horrible poisons, you know, and you feel like, and it, and it does, you, you think, oh, like my kid is healthy because I did this. My kid is healthy. You know, like I did everything right. Cause my kids are like surprisingly healthy. Like they never get infections. They never need antibiotics. Like it's, I'm so fortunate, you know, and now I realize that's what it is. I'm so fortunate that my kids are healthy. It has nothing to do with the fact that they weren't vaccinated. And the thing that made me realize that was my friend who also didn't vaccinate. Her daughters would get cold after cold after cold, uh, antibiotics for pneumonia, antibiotics for ear infection, like so many illnesses that I didn't have to deal with. And I thought there's more to, uh, there's more to health than what I think. Yeah. There's that common myth that, unvaccinated children are healthier than vaccinated children 
But if you actually look at the literature, uh, vaccinated children have lower deaths from flu rates. They have lower rates of asthma. Uh, that was a German study. Uh, yeah. It actually seems to be the other way around, but that doesn't stop the myth from being very pervasive, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. And because they just, they all like post these, like, they all share anecdotes and they all, and I think if any, even if anything did go wrong, I think when they're so far in the movement, they can't even admit it. Like they wouldn't say it out loud. Like, Oh, I had to, I, this, my kid has eczema. Like <laughs> I don't think they would say anything about it. Right. Like, a lot they of don't are, want to make unvaccinated kids look bad. Yeah. So they wouldn't, they would just leave it alone. And yeah, so that's, Definitely not explicitly honest, although it might have been somewhat unconscious, too, because of, yeah. you know, I don't want to put on the, all the blame on these people as being malicious, because no, as you and no. I both know, they're often, they're, it, I mean, it could be seen as that, though, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it also could be because they have social pressure from other members of their peer group yeah. as well, because yeah. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt more often than others when it comes Most to people, people are who are anti-vax. I think I believe most people are decent people and have good intentions. I, I yes, same for anti-vaxxers and same for the medical community as well. Yeah, most doc and it's important to apply that to medicine because there's this common myth that doctors are evil and they're just corrupt. And you start following doctors and you'll start to fall in love with them. It's funny <laughs> yeah. you brought up anecdotes because you you've heard this I'm sure that there's no. Uh, double-blind study, which is the gold standard, right? Have you heard that? Yes, and I used to say that over and over again, not knowing, like, say it. because they make it seem like that is there is no evidence, or they'll say like there's no real placebo. They use they use all of this junk minus the antigen, so that's not a real placebo. And so you start like, yeah, that's right, yeah, that that's 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 what the way it is. So I. I can't trust these people. Like, but then you look into it, and there are quite a few vaccines with placebo, like saline placebo. Right. They start with saline placebos, and then they yeah. stop using them once they have an effective vaccine. I just wanted to point out something you might find funny. They they talk about how double-blind studies, the placebo studies, are the gold standard that we don't have. Then they proceed to use anecdotes, which are the lowest standard of scientific evidence. So they, they say there's no gold standard research, and then they use the worst form of research in anecdotes, which I just find very ironic. The one thing I felt really dumb about was the blood-brain barrier. Because I... What happened there? I really fell for that trope. Like, I really believe, like, of course babies have like um, an impaired blood brain barrier like why would why would why would they have a mature blood brain barrier like right they're babies like everything else babies. right and then that. like that was actually the thing that really opened my mind was doing my own research on that because I, I was like well my kids are older now maybe I should vaccinate the older two and then I still had my he was under two at the time I was like oh well is it safe to do to vaccinate him and what about the blood brain barrier does it form at age two or age three and i i started researching it and i was like that's not even true <laughs> like i couldn't believe it was not even true like there's no evidence like i couldn't find a proper study to support either age for anything and it is a very commonly um held trope like in the anti-vax community that 
their blood-brain barrier does not form till two or three years old. So if you're going to, you need to wait till that age. And there's actually no reason at all to wait till that age. Yeah, the last episode of this show had an expert on the blood-brain barrier uh, scientist that. who studies that. Yeah, and he, he made what you just said very, very clear. It's so um, clear. Like, yeah, so... But it seems like the other way around, which is the interesting part, because I, I feel you there, because I used to believe in conspiracy theories myself, like, not to the degree of Flat Earth, but, like, I would believe some pretty crazy stuff, and... It wasn't until I was actually in a conspiracy myself where people thought I was like a shill working for the government and it looked convincing. I was like, wait, am I a shill? Like, this is is a very well-made argument. Looking at it from the inside looking out, you can see where these things get twisted and how they are manipulated to look authentic. And it seems like that's what happened to you with the blood-brain barrier. And then you start to become more skeptical of other things. Like, is this twisting the truth in that same way? To make it look authentic, but it's actually not. Yeah, exactly. And like a lot, of, there's so many little lies or like misrepresentation of studies, misrepresentation of definitions. Like, so when you start figuring it out, you'll, oh, that's a lie. Like you keep finding these like things that you believed and you like read the opposite. And then you're like, oh, I can't believe because you kind of don't even want to look for anything that that goes against that view. Yeah, it causes um, it causes cognitive dissonance, which is yeah. where if you hold two opposing beliefs at the same time, it's very uncomfortable. And so it would that's be that's part so of why. Yeah, and that's part of why confirmation bias happens because we don't want to look into things that contradict our worldviews. So it causes this feedback system where both you and I know well, because I used to lean anti-vax as well, pretty strongly, up until people started pointing out, like, for you, it was the blood-brain barrier. For me, it was the sanitation and hygiene argument. I thought sanitation and hygiene eliminated diseases, but turns out it was vaccines, because you could see they dropped disease incidence rates, which is kind of a technical argument, but... You probably heard the one, like, polio was DDT Yes, they reclassified it. As yeah. DD, yes, I heard that. What? I heard that one a lot. <laughs> I believe that one. Honestly, I was like, they're they're so shady. They would they do that. Got, they absolutely they would got, do that. They have an argument. Here's the thing. They have a very wide breadth of arguments, so they cover a whole landscape, this whole scope, but they don't go deep. So they're wide. You can have this whole framework, but they're not deep. You look into any one of them, and it starts to fall apart. But when one yeah. falls apart, you've got all the other ones to back you up, and so... That's why the worldview is so hard to change. But if you go deep on each one, you see they're actually quite shallow. Yeah. And I see it now when I, like, debate people on Twitter, too. Like, I, I always say, like, I know exactly what's going through your mind right now. And it's fine. I'm just – you'll think about this later, I'm sure, you know? Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've actually been there, so I'm sure you can. Yeah. So, okay. I just have a, a few more questions for you. Um, sure. I noticed you said – at the end of your article, you pointed out it's okay to change your mind. And so I wanted to ask you about that because in our current climate, it seems like people don't want to change their mind because it makes them seem inconsistent. But I think changing your mind should actually be encouraged because how else I, are you going to fix wrong beliefs? Oh, exactly. Um, and it was very uncomfortable to change my, my mind. I couldn't sleep. 
I like, I, my mind would race every time, <clears throat> excuse me, I would go to bed. I would just like stay up like wide eyed, like oh, what, what happened? How did I get here? Like it was so uncomfortable to come around. Like it took a good month of just reading and reading and reading. Uh, I read a lot of Vacpedia because he actually links a lot of interesting studies and he like breaks it down so concisely. Like Dr. Ionelli is like amazing. And yeah, Vacpedia is a good source. I was going to ask you what sources you recommend. Is that one of them? Yes. Her? Yeah, especially when you're trying to um, like go against the little like tropes. Like I just call them tropes now. Like all the like the DDT and the sanitation and the blood brain barrier and all of that stuff. Like, Oh, Japan doesn't vaccinate as much or America is the most vaccinated country. Like these are all yeah. these like lies that they tell over and over and over again. And he like basically like puts that all out there. Like he'll refute every single one and break it down very nicely for you. And, uh, I, I really enjoy that website. I, I got so much out of it. Yeah, a lot of countries actually follow the CDC schedule. <laughs> you know, yeah. so they're, they're the same as us. They use us as a benchmark, which is or like, just funny. What happened in the last 20 years? All these kids are sick now. And I'm like, we eat a lot of sugar. We don't do anything. <laughs> like, there are other reasons why children might be getting sicker. And I don't even yes, sure about many reasons. Yeah, and it's not definitely not doesn't have to do with vaccines. Yeah, no, that unless you're trying to find out why they're healthier. Um, yeah. Interestingly, um, there's a oh well, I just want to add in there. There's these two other sources I found that are good: uh, respectful insolence and skeptical yeah. raptor. Yeah, yeah, I've read those two as well. He has yeah, like a they, good, they like, good directory on the side of other like blogs and websites that have <laughs> good information as well. Yeah, they uh, they really I like how they target some of these specific tropes as you put them. So yeah. so um, to finish off, I wanted to give you an example that I want your thoughts on, and I wanted to ask where people can find you if you want them to, or if you just want to link them to Vaxipedia or something like that. But yeah. here's here, here's the example. So I actually heard this like two days ago um, on a podcast, and then I used this example in my dream last night. So I must have really loved it, but here, here's here's the example. So if you have cancer, if you find out you have cancer, you, what you do is you want to know who the expert is on whatever kind of cancer you have, and then you find out what experts agree with them, right? You want the expert consensus. Yeah. If you have cancer or something life-threatening, you're not going to go f trying to find someone who will tell you what you want to hear and tell you mm -hmm. you don't have cancer. That's yeah. not what you want. So it seems like if you think about a life-threatening illness for yourself and how you would treat it, if you apply that to vaccines, you want what the experts think and the consensus of the experts, not the people who will tell you what you already believe and confirm your bias. Yes, exactly. And I always say, too, like, I, I think I tweeted once, you ever notice that rural communities aren't looking for homeopaths and naturopaths? They're looking for MDs. <laughs> like, right. There's a shortage right. of MDs. There's not a shortage of naturopaths in rural communities. Yeah, like, you're not nobody cares. Right, but but apparently with vaccines, there are experts we should listen to. And yeah. I don't understand the 
Now, the problem with this example is there are probably plenty of people who wouldn't want to go to a doctor if they had cancer. But I feel like you're going to if you have a life threatening disease like that, you're going to be more skeptical of someone who just tells you just to smoke a lot of weed. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying it's going to hurt. I mean, maybe if you smoke, it contributes to lung cancer if you better to vaporize. But yeah, you see my point. They they, they, they wouldn't yeah. be maybe they would be going to those people, unfortunately, but I don't think the results are going to be. To totally great but um this has been a really awesome conversation i was uh can man, i add something real good. quick my yes, my husband was so my husband was so relieved when i changed my mind really yes so he he just realized like in his mind like everyone's vaccinated so our kids are fine like he didn't want to push the issue too much because i do have like I do have some medical PTSD issues with having Crohn's disease since I was like 18 and I'm like almost 40 now. So I've been to the hospital quite a bit and I've had certain exchanges with, you know, medical staff. And so it's kind of like, it's, it's easy for me to lose trust. Right. So my husband didn't want to push the issue, but when I did finally change my mind, he was very relieved. Like, Oh, finally. That's, that's <laughs> and he, nice to he hear. said, you know, it's not a weakness. I felt dumb. I was like, oh man. He's like, it's not a weakness to change your mind. Like a lot of people struggle, like when they um, feel a part of a, a tribe or whatever, like they struggle to speak out against it and, and, and leave. And he's like, you, you did. So yeah, no, he's very relieved that I changed my mind. That's awesome. I'm happy for him. I agree with you. Changing your mind should be something that's readily encouraged. I feel like not changing your mind anchors people's sense of self. Like, oh yeah, I'm I'm a constant person. I'm not a flip flopper. I think that's just a negative way of looking at it. Because if you can't change your mind in response to new and better evidence, you're closed minded. You're just locked and, and trapped in a worldview. And yeah, no. it's, it's interesting to see. But it's really awesome to see people like you having to change their mind. What'd you say? I've been called fake. Uh, like a lot of people on Twitter have like messaged me like you're not real. I'm like yes you're, I you're am. A show too. You welcome, welcome to the club. And I'll say you want to talk about it. I'll talk about it with you. Like if you want to have a conversation, I'm here. But yes, I am real. Yeah. Then they disappear. And the thing that really, really got them mad was like because my my son he's been showing signs of autism since he was three which I kind of didn't want to believe because like, again, back to the, you don't want to, you think you're doing things a certain way that this stuff can't happen. It's like a cheat code. Your kid's going to be perfect. And my son is perfect. Don't get me wrong. He is a wonderful little boy. But I think a lot of the things I overlook because in that community, autism is looked at as something very negative. And my son is so easy to deal with. Like he's out of the three kids, he's he just he's great. Like he entertains himself, he does his own thing, he's super easygoing. So I didn't have this like I I had this idea that autism was like super hard to deal with and negative. I was like, he's fine, like he's behind, but he's fine. You know, That's and good. then I uh I really started like questioning like myself because a, a few people have suggested that he had autism and then I finally decided to get on the ball and put him through an assessment and he does have autism so I, I talk about that on Twitter quite a bit too like my unvaccinated kid 
has autism. Oh, and he then was unvaccinated. Really? Yeah, he wasn't vaccinated until he was five. I mean, that's not great, but that's a good. <laughs> that's a good argument to show that vaccines are not yeah. the cause of autism. That's a good example so there. I, I, I'm like, I didn't know it then. I'm not going to say something I don't know. Like, I didn't yeah. know my son had autism when I wrote the article. I know now. And I will say that, yeah, he's he was unvaccinated till five. He started showing signs of autism around two and a half, three years old. And uh, I just thought he was different or behind or quirky. Like, he has these little quirks that he needs, you know, we have to deal with. But, yeah. yeah I think I, it's still okay to think about it like that. I like to think of autism like neurodiversity. You know, we want diversity yeah. in our society, and that's true in ethnic level as well as at a neurological level. And there are yeah. people with autism who can perform certain tasks much better than people without it. So there are always advantages if you know where to look for them. But um, Lydia, you are an inspiration to the rest of us. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep talking about your story because I find it very compelling, especially for the people who need to hear it. And I wanted to ask for my last question. Did you want uh, to give us somewhere we could find you, maybe on Twitter or yeah. any sources you recommend, like Vaxipedia? Yeah, I recommend Vaxipedia. And Vaxipedia actually has a lot of links to other really good blogs and uh, websites. Uh, and I'm on Twitter. I don't – I mean, let me see. My it's, – it's long. I didn't actually pick a good <laughs> Twitter handle. <laughs> Uh, you can go ahead Twitter and uh, is, uh, just the spell vax. it out for us. Yeah, it's just the vax, please, is what I call myself. But it's at LG2864297. So that's the, <laughs> that, that was the handle Twitter gave me, and I didn't change it. And then I was like, oh, well. <laughs> give, give, give that to us one more time. I got uh, LG287 that time. Okay, at lg Two eight six four zero two nine seven. Nine seven. I feel like I wrote down a phone number from a different state. Um, but I, yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, I'm not yeah. bad with phone numbers. So cool. So that's your Twitter. Hopefully, uh, some people can follow you there. It's just Vax, please, as your name that you can change, right? Just the Vax. E L Z. Awesome. Cool. So hopefully some people can find you there and maybe they can even read the article, which is posted at the top of your Twitter. You pinned it, right? Yeah, it is. Awesome. And then another site, um, Vaccinate Your Family also shared the article. And then yesterday, um, a really popular epidemiologist shared it as well. She had like quite a few oh. followers. And I was like, wow, people are noticing. That's awesome. Well, it's a it's a story that's worth noticing, so I hope that gets out there even more than it already is, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come and share it with our listeners, so thank you again right. for coming on, and thanks everyone for listening to Straight to the Point. All right, bye now. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Lydia is a real inspiration for those of us who worry that there is no hope for those who hold these beliefs, and although it may be rare... Coming to terms with reality can and does happen, and it's really quite worth the patience required to help someone on this path. Lydia is now a type of vaccine activist who helps explain the kind of arguments you just heard to those who are still locked into a type of 
medical skepticism feedback loop. So next time you think there's no point in continuing an engagement with someone who seems to have a rather hard head, perhaps thinking about Lydia's story will give you the encouragement you need to persist.